Well, hello and welcome to episode 211 of The Call Room, the first of what is going to be three podcasts in the end from the time that we spent out at Hawker's Brewing with Maz at the end of 2023. Gee, doesn't that seem like an age ago already? With heaps of Call Roomers in attendance in the live audience. Look, it was a fantastic night out there. Huge thanks to Maz. Also, huge thanks to Pete and Naomi, who always helped set things up out at Hawker's with us. Uh, it was a great night and, well, obviously enough, with three episodes to come in January, just from this visit alone, you'll get a bit of an idea about how much content there is. Maz, as ever, rages, rages and <laughs> roams over a large range of topics. Gee, it was a little bit of a Freudian slip there. Normally I'd edit something like that out, but somehow that word seems appropriate. Look, that's a good cue to me just to say, look, more so than normal, a bit of a language content warning on this one, probably not one to listen to with the kiddies. Uh, I've tried to leave that as unedited as possible, both in terms of the language that's in here uh, and also in terms of some of the content. So um, one of the great things about Maz is he really does have so many different passionate views on both the brewing industry uh, and many other things besides. Uh, and I didn't want to edit all of that. Some of it I completely agree with. Some of it I think is good food for thought, particularly around and the container deposit scheme stuff that you'll hear uh, more of in the second of the episodes that we do with Hawkers. Uh, and some of it I completely disagree with, and that's okay as well. Look, these are his views coming through, and uh, I think part of the fun is to hear just how many things are in his brain. Uh, and look for a bloke who is absolutely iconic in the Melbourne brewing scene, uh, a really great opportunity to hear all of his thoughts on what has been a pretty tumultuous 2023 in the industry. Uh, if you want to hear more about the Hawker's origin story, I'd really recommend going back to episode 164, which is what we uh, what we recorded when we were out at Hawker's at the end of 2022, 45 episodes or so ago, which is pretty unbelievable in and of itself. Uh, so yeah, listening to that one to hear a bit more of the origin story, we kick it off with just a bit of a, a discussion around sort of how things are going uh, and the very basics of the Hawker's backstory. But if you want to get into the background of it, go to 164. This is more of a review. Um, uh, of what occurred in 2023 uh, and some really interesting uh, insights. As I say, we'll cover off all, all of those. Look, obviously, with 2024 kicking off, 211 episodes in, we're trying to mix things up a bit. We've got some new ideas uh, of content that we'd like to include uh, for you in 2024. Head on over to our Facebook page and you can have your say. You're obviously welcome to email us as well directly at coolroompodcast at gmail.com. But look, we've got a few different ideas of what we might be able to add in in 2024 just to keep things fresh and fun. Uh, look, just to run them through and again, would love to get your feedback. Uh, we're thinking about having some overseas correspondence, particularly when Aussie mates of ours are off exploring breweries around the world and venues around the world, uh, perhaps just checking in with them from time to time to hear about their adventures. Uh, I think a really interesting perspective, not just for Australians uh, to hear what our fellow Aussies are thinking about when they go overseas, but perhaps for uh, overseas listeners as well to hear what Australians think when we visit your breweries and we visit your venues. Uh, obviously, all done with a bit of fun, uh, not looking to be hypercritical of anyone, but always just sort of interesting to hear how people perceive your areas. Uh, and the same with interstate uh, correspondence. So perhaps in the very near future, we'll put out a call for people around Australia to be able to jump on board and get in contact with us uh, about what's happening out in your areas uh, and give us sort of updates about new breweries, new beers and new festivals. Uh, festival show previews uh, while we're thinking about festivals, just that opportunity to hear from people who are running festivals and big events, what they have lined up, perhaps a month or two out from the festival to help you make your ticket buying choices. There's obviously a lot of festivals out there now competing for your dollar, uh, the opportunity to sort of hear from some of them as to what's going on. Um, Talking about getting other beer podcasts on from all around the world. So if you've got some suggestions, uh, just sort of 15 minutes or so uh, with other podcasts that love their beer, love their home brewing, uh, and the opportunity to hear from them, a bit of an intro uh, for them, which might help you find some other great beer podcasts because there are some awesome ones out there. 
uh, mentioned homebrew there. We had a, we sort of touch on it from time to time with the brewers who are on the show, but perhaps we can actually do a little bit more around homebrewing, particularly in Melbourne and Australia. Uh, more than just beer is one of the topics I've put up there. Would you guys like to hear more about uh, local spirits manufacturers, local wine manufacturers and other things related to HOSPO? Originally, it was a bit sort of more broad ranging and we've sort of narrowed things down to craft beer over time. If you do want sort of a wide, sort of netcast, here's your opportunity to say so and we can get that happening in 2024. And look, the other thing I thought about was perhaps some of our regular brewers. Obviously, we've got some people who return to the podcast multiple times, uh, and we love that. Perhaps that opportunity just to sort of touch base with people uh, and really get the uh, opportunity to hear, you know, on every couple of months, what's going on in their breweries and what new beers they've got coming out. Again, to whet your appetites as to the fun things that are out there. Look, those are just some ideas. Jump onto our socials, particularly the Facebook, but do follow us on Instagram as well. Do check out our online store. Uh, we haven't got any of the Hawker's beers in, but grab them from Hawker's directly or wherever you find your Hawker's beers. Uh, in this episode, we're talking about the lager. I should say the Pilsner. I do that so often. The Pilsner and the Pale, uh, and particularly in episode three of these three Hawker's episodes that'll be coming out in uh, in January. We're going to be talking about the Apple Brandy Barrel Aged Strong Ale. Uh, I loved that beer. It was amazing. But if you go into our online store, you can also find the beers that you'll need for our online Zoom shows in January, uh, kicking off with Brayside Brewing, a really fun six-pack from them, nice and cheap, and that means you can join us on Zoom on a Thursday night while we're recording that and ask your own questions. Okay, look, that's a lot from me. The bonus for you guys is that rather than hearing lots of me in the interview, you're going to hear lots of Maz, and so let's get underway with the first of our three episodes with Hawkers. It is an absolutely gorgeous Melbourne night. We're going to be having so much fun out here. And uh, for those of you that are listening into this podcast and haven't heard any of our archives before, episode 164 is the one that I would direct you to. That was the last time, one year ago, that we were sitting out here, which scarily means we've had, what, 46 episodes in the meantime, if my maths is roughly right, something along those lines. If you haven't heard the podcast before and this is your first one, Jesus. Yeah, that's it. This is You're very... fucked. <laughs> but we do go back through some of Maz's backstory a bit in that one. We will certainly touch on that today. But really today is about sort of a bit of a 2023 year in review, but obviously tasting some of these great beers. Maz, welcome back. For people who are listening, uh, I think we've got listeners all around. We've got listeners in Bahamas at the moment. Thank you to everyone who's tuning in from the Bahamas. Paint a bit of a picture about where we are in Melbourne to kick things off, my friend. So when I moved to Australia almost 10 years ago now, um, I had no idea where the hell I was. So I ended up living in Reservoir for some bizarre reason. And when we started the brewery here, um, people would come up and say, Reza, why the fuck Reza? Because this was a place you went to buy your drugs or get stabbed. And now it's become one of the coolest neighborhoods um, in the northern suburbs. I like it. I love Reservoir. Uh, and uh, just a disclaimer, if you hear any of the fuckwits doing donuts in the street, that's typically Reza in the industrial zone. So we apologize uh, a priori for that. Well, we might hear some of those cars going past. And once again, I'm thrilled to be opposite a sleeping bag factory. Uh, that also gives people perhaps a bit of a feel for the area. Uh, and I presume people who are doing sleeping bag trades do them quite quietly. That if they, <laughs> if they drop a few of those, they won't come through on the microphone. So you might hear the cars, the buses. You might hear some of the brewing equipment. You hopefully won't hear the sleeping bag trading going on over the road uh, here on a Friday night in Reservoir. Um, so how long have you been here on this site? Let's sort of give people a bit of the background so we first, um, we, we were driving around uh, and I saw this w empty warehouse and it had a for lease sign. I think it was 2000, end of 2014 was when we signed the lease and got the keys. And it was a massive site. We walked in and uh, the guy who started the brewery with me, um, who was our distribu my distributor back then in, in Australia for 961 Beer, his kids used to come up and uh, cycle around the brewery and uh, we used to play football in the brewery and we thought, oh my God, this is way too big. 
what are we going to do with this space? Um, we filled that space up. We filled the car park. We filled the next four units down the road. And uh, we need more space, but that's a different story altogether. 961 Brewery, you've touched on there. What's the, what's the background there? So 961 was the Middle East's first craft brewery. Um, it was started in the middle of the war between Hezbollah and Israel. Seems like Israel seems to be involved in a lot of wars. Um, we're back in another war just now, but we won't talk politics. Um, I, started the f I started brewing when the Israelis were bombing us in Eshrafi, Lebanon. And actually, it, it's, it's bizarre that we are in this conflict again, because it's, it reminds me of the time I was being bombed. And a lot of the rhetoric that was being used back then is exactly what is being used during this war. That was the inspiration to start craft beer back then. I don't know why. And the road, um, that story apparently resonated with a lot of people around the world. And um, us Lebanese, you know, we like to stick to just staying in Lebanon. There's only 18 million of us outside of Lebanon. <laughs> and all of a sudden we started getting phone calls from Lebanese restaurants and emails from Lebanese restaurants all around the world that wanted the beer. Um, and we had to find distributors. And Australia was one of those places. Um, I was a bit racist in sending the beer towards Australia, not against Australians, because my distributor here was Lebanese. And uh, I said, well, you're Lebanese, I'm not gonna sell you the beer because I wanna be in craft beer, not in Lebanese restaurants. And he said, I can't believe you're Lebanese and you're being racist against me for being Lebanese. <laughs> um, and then a few years later, we had another uh, encounter with our neighbors to the south. And he was like, what if this thing goes belly up and there's a war? And I thought people would be dying. And he said, yeah, but how do I keep getting beer here? <laughs> and I said, well, we can make the beer here. And in typical Australian fashion, by that time, he, I knew this guy was assimilated into Australia. He's like, but no, this is Australia. The sun shines from the other side of the planet. You don't get it. You can't make shit here. And I'm like, it's malt, water, hops, and yeast, man. It's not that complicated. If a caveman could make it, we can make it. And that, that was how Hawkers was born. And probably before we start to actually talk about the beer that's in front of us, let's talk about the name Hawkers, because I think that'll give people who are either new here tonight with us or new to the podcast, new to the brand, a bit of an idea about why did you, why did you call the brewery that? And um, what does that mean about the ethos of what you're doing? Because we were in Sydney. We were literally, I mean, the first container that arrived here of 961 Beer. So we had the Red Ale. We had a Lebanese pale ale, which a lot of people still remember. Um, a lot of people go, ah, oh, it tasted like pizza shapes. Because it had za'atar and some mac and anise and chamomile. It was one of the OJ. Did you say camel there? Chamomile. Ah, that's okay. <laughs> Funnily enough, we have no camels in Lebanon. And that's rich coming from an Australian. Yeah, you know, I know. I just... You realize we have more. Finally, I can claim to, be, to come from a country that has camels. As an Australian, we proudly have the world's biggest camel population. And some of the tastiest camels as well. Apparently. I'm, yeah, I don't eat camel meat, but I'm sure, you know, you, people will enjoy it. Probably, yeah. All right. There you go. I thought you were going to be the one distracting us and I'd be keeping us on track. It's, it's actually the opposite. Has happened, I, I will but. tell you a funny story. When, when in Lebanon, we had a lot of Western tourists complain that they would go to the national sites and there were no camels. And we don't wear... Arab dresses, we wear pants in Lebanon. That's the traditional dress. We just have a really big ball sack because we had ginormous. It's called the Sherwa. It's very close to the Greek and the Turkish national dress because we have massive testicles in Lebanon. Um, not much brains, but massive testicles. There so, is no fact checking going on today, by the way. <laughs> so people would complain that there were no camels. And so the Lebanese government, in its ultimate wisdom, imported some camels from Australia. <laughs> and put them outside the national sites and dress people in this really weird non-Lebanese dress. So tourists, Australian tourists could now pay 10 bucks to ride an Australian camel in Lebanon and get a Polaroid of themselves riding the authentic Middle Eastern experience. I, I hope that they never heard the camel's accent, otherwise they would have been terribly disappointed about how much money they'd spent on the airfare. So hang on, how the fuck did we end up with the camel? I don't suit? know, we were talking about being in Sydney, we were talking oh, yeah, about yeah, the name yeah. Hawkers. So, 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 so we, we made all these beers and uh, about a week before the beer arrived in Australia, I get a call, a distressed call from the, from the guy importing them, saying, by the way, people are asking me what makes a red ale red? And I'm like, fuck, we're fucked. 
We're completely and utterly fucked. I gave the beer to someone who has no clue. So I immediately went and applied for a visa, which back then took three weeks to get. Apparently, that was quick for the Australian government, and I can quantify it was quick for the Australian government. Anyway, uh, since then, it's, you know, they're fucked. I'm here. I'm done. <laughs> My, 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 my friends in Lebanon, when I posted the picture of my Australian passport, said, oh, it's so charming. They have a flamenco on the passport. I was like, <laughs> it's a fucking emu. We're the only country that eats our national album. We, we haven't got round to shipping any emus to Lebanon yet. To no, 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 no. Just, just fucking camels. They're not even on the passport. We could paint them pink. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I get the visa and I fly out here. And um, he's, he, he's from Melbourne. Typical Melbourneite. Knows everything in Melbourne. And then I said, well, I've flown 24 hours to get here. I've been to Sydney before. I've, I have been to Australia before that trip. I said, let's go do Sydney. And he's like, I don't know anyone in Sydney. Well, let's just fucking do it. And we'll do Adelaide and we'll do Brisbane. And he's like, but I really don't know anyone in Sydney. I said, you know what? We'll just grab a bag, put some ice in it and knock on doors. And he threw away the line, oh, you've gone back to your roots. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. He said, oh, you're a hawker. I had never heard the expression in my life. Uh, and I Googled it, and it turns out a hawker is a street vendor, a guy with a pushcart that sells shit down the street. And it turns out the original Lebanese immigrants who came here in the 1800s, yes, people, we have as much claim to this place as all the white folks around here. <laughs> So we've been here since the 1800s, and um, the original Lebanese immigrants were hawkers. And uh, in fact, if you walk over that bridge and uh, across the Yarra um, in, in the CBD, um, where, where all the um, tombstones for the immigrants are, under the Lebanese tombstone, it says the original immigrants came in the 1880s, I think, and they were street vendors, hawkers. And I went and did this talk at the immigration museum about hawkers. I thought this would be a fucking great name if I ever did anything in Australia. It kind of connects the Lebanese heritage and the Australian heritage because doing a 6-1 beer, which is the national code for Australia, is awfully close to the 961 beer, which is the Lebanese code, telephone code. I thought that wouldn't work very well. And um, hawkers would be a cool name to start with. And it obviously resonates with you as a person as well? As 100% because... Uh, the minute I, I walked into this country, I saw all of you have no hawkers on your doors. <laughs> I have no fucking clue why not. Um, I've been here for 10 years. No one's ever knocked on my door, except Jehovah's Witnesses. And I kind of enjoy making them cry. But that's a different story. Not suitable for a podcast. You can't deport me. Tough shit, too late. You had your chance. Let's get on to the beers. Let's move off the uh, the stickers that we do or don't have hey, on the front of stores. Uh, and, and in regard to the stickers, if you ever see the no hawker signs, just put a fucking comma after the no. Piss the people off. Ah, see what I did there? Also, Hawkers was the starting name for Rover, which is our second brand that is our entry-level brand because a hawker travels and, and the Rover does the same thing. It's not in relation to the car, despite the fact that the Rover Club of Australia came and did their annual club meet here because they felt it was associated to the car. And uh, if you are from the Hawkers, uh, sorry, from the Rover Association of Australia, uh, it is absolutely named after the it's car. It's named after the, and it's, yeah. uh, because I love Rover cars. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and since we're on this fucking sidetrack, I'm happy to announce that uh, coming January, we're going to be releasing a third brand of beer, uh, not of beers, of um, uh, products called Tangent. Because I love going on a fucking tangent. <laughs> it bodes well for the editing of this podcast. <laughs> uh, and so it'll be uh, our entry. It's not... You know, there's, there's so much geeky attempt at segmenting categories of beverages, right? There's seltzers and RTDs and whatever. I don't believe in any of this shit. It's a, it's a naturally brewed um, foray into... RTDs or seltzers, but it's not a seltzer because it's it, it it's a healthier, more intelligent look at sugar and flavor. It's not sugar and flavor. It's four percent sugar, 
less than 4% sugar, um, but it's also trying to elevate that kid-friendly, scary ABAC thing into being a more sophisticated drink. It's tangent. Try it. It's fucking good. Absolutely, and that is, as I was pointed out by the crowd here, that is our eight past six scoop, where we normally have to you know, get a bit later into the night before we start getting our scoops. But There's there a few more scoops coming anyway. Ah, uh, excellent. Well, let's talk beers, and I'm sure that will lead to some of the scoops. Mm-hmm. People on arrival here tonight uh, were tasting the pills. Tell us a little bit about the history of that beer, and tell us a bit about how that style is working for you at the moment. No, I won't. Not yet. Because <laughs> they, they came here and they were drinking nil. Uh, which okay, was off point. the schedule. So we, I thought um, non-alcoholic beers are like porno actors on a podcast. Fucking useless. <laughs> until, until I actually tried some of the non-alcs. To be honest, there's, there's a few really great non-alcs now in the market. And I, I do appreciate their place in the market. You know, sometimes you want to break up your alcohol with a, a, a buffer. Um, sometimes you are the designated driver, um, and, and sometimes you're just, I'm not, I don't want to make any health claims because I'm not convinced of there are or are not any health claims to be made. So I'm, I'm straying away from that shit. Um, but I do think every now and then it's nice to have a break, maybe, Ooh. and you might want a break. Not a long break, buy beer. <laughs> <laughs> If I catch you people not drinking beer for a long time, this dry July shit, fuck off. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I appreciate having a break from alcohol, and I appreciate alcohol can be uh, problematic. So we did a non-alc. The, the idea behind nil for us was to bring it in under 50 calories, because um, the problem with non-alc is it can be deceivingly a bit calorie-intensive sometimes. Mm. And, and nil, really, the selling point for us was... If, if you're going to watch porn on the radio, you may as well have the side, of, the side, the side effects, uh, the sound effects, side effects, sound effects. So that, that's where Nil came from. It, it's super delicious. We still use a lot of hops in it. Um, we wouldn't have put it out. It took us a lot of research to do it. And we, we bought a pasteurizing tunnel. So make sure the non-alcs that you are drinking in the market are pasteurized because non-alc, if it's unpasteurized can have severe health implications. It's, it's, it's a dangerous space to play in. Um, it, it'll only take one bacteria cell and the wrong temperatures to fuck the whole thing up. And it can, it, it, it's not fun. Make sure it is pasteurized. Anyway, that was my- Tell us uh, a little bit though, tell us a little bit about that experimentation that you touched on there. But how long was that going for? Was that a matter of actually just doing small batches or what, what does research and experimentation we, look like? We, we're famous for, our batch sizes are generally 4,000 liters. That's, that's our experiment. That's the smallest thing we're able to do in the brewery. And, and before, having, before COVID, our smallest batch was 8,000 liters. So basically, we, we don't have much chance to get shit wrong. Mm. So the beers that you do see have come from years and years and years of getting to hone in our art and understanding what we're doing. For non-alc for us, it was a new venture. We didn't really understand what the implications of the yeast was. So this is actually the first beer, the second beer. The first beer was our white stout because I had tried the white stout in New Holland and in, in, uh, Grand Rapids in Michigan. And it took us a long time to replicate how we were going to create those flavors in beer. So we actually did several test pilot batches before we got that one right. And this one was the second beer we ever piloted. Uh, and it took us a lot of iterations before we finally got it right. Because we didn't want to put out something just to put out something. There, there seems to be this drive these days in, in, in beer to just ride everything, throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Um, and I, uh, Hawkers isn't this. We, we are not the trendsetters. Oddly enough, we are sometimes the trendsetters, right? Like we we set the trend for barley wines and white stouts and crazy shit that people normally wouldn't associate. But we take our time to do things right. And hopefully this was another case of... It took us nine months of getting it right. 
uh, before we were happy with the result. And then we threw in the whole 250 calories, and then we had to go back to the drawing board and do a few more batches. And then we had to use hop extracts to kind of lift the body and do things like that. So, yeah, that, it took a lot of time and effort to get it right. I'm sure we'll talk more about some of those techniques and strategies as we go along. Now's the time to Pilsner. talk about the Pilsner. Oh, That's exactly fucking Pilsner. Right. One of my favorite beers. This is one of the original beers. It's never changed its recipe. This Ooh. was brewed back in 2015. It has never changed its recipe. Some people lost their shit when we had pinstripes on the fucking can. Still <laughs> the same beer today that it was then with the pinstripes. Still the same beer that was in the bottle. Never changed the recipe because I fucking love this beer. It is my go-to beer. It's a nice, classic German Pils. For the geeks out there, it's not a Czech Pilsner, it's a German Pils. Explain to the geeks succinctly what the difference is. Um, basically, the hopping regime. Um, and again, it's, it's it, Czech Pilsners tend to, well, this is a really tough one because it, it lives right on the borderline between Czech Pils and, and German Pils. It's, it's a bit too bitter for a German pills and it's a bit too light for a Czech. It lives right on the boundary of, of where those are. Um, we use some New Zealand hops. Apparently now that's a thing. They call it New Zealand, New Zealand pills. Um, we use some traditional noble hops and some New Zealand hops in this. So I guess it's a New World Pilsner before it, there were New World Pilsners. Sorry about that. We didn't get it right. At, it wasn't hipster enough back then. It was just a boring pilsner. Um, but I love this beer. I fucking love this beer with a passion. It'd be my second beer on, a, on an island if I ever went there. Oh, come on then. What's the first? West Coast fucking IPA. <laughs> and if you haven't voted on the Gab's Hot 100, don't vote for it because I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't fucking want to be the prom queen. Everyone, every... Every fucking Gab's Hot 100, people come up to me and go, why is the West Coast not number one? It's my favorite beer. Did you vote for it, cunt? No. So that's why it's not number one. Did we spend any money promoting it? No. Why? Because I don't care. <laughs> Going back to the pills for a, oh, yeah. for, a, for a few moments, because we're going to talk a lot tonight about whether recipes change and whether they don't. I yes. find it fascinating that this one hasn't. But it's certainly a style that's come in and out of fashion and I think is sort of back in fashion at the moment. How's it doing in the market and um, how do you feel that sort of Pilsners are anyone, generally received? Anyone who tells you lager is in fashion right now with craft beer drinkers is full of shit. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking full of shit. Every year. Lager is coming back. It's going to be the next big thing. Nah. That's me. <laughs> and every year we continuously make lagers the same way we've always made them. We make several lagers. We continue to be committed to making lagers. Every time we put out Lucky 13, everyone loses their shit. Ah, it's my favorite fucking beer. <laughs> no one buys it. They buy a can and then moved on, move on to the next thing. Um, lagers don't sell. They are technically the most difficult beers to make for brewers. They don't sell. I, I, I have to nuance something. I say the recipes never changed. Every recipe changes. For us at Hawkers to continue to consistently deliver on the same beers, we have to adjust the recipe to re from batch to batch. It doesn't change in substance. It doesn't move away from what it is. What changes is the fact that we um, harvest the crop one time during the year, right? And batch to batch, the extractions slightly change, so we have to adjust the quantities slightly because we are working with a terroir product. This is not wine. We don't fucking ferment it once a year, pull everything out of the ground. It's one batch, and then it just ages away, and you expect changes. Because you discerning people like to pick up a Pilsner and have it taste exactly the same. Never mind that we only harvested the malt once a year and have been storing it for the last 12 months and trying to extract the same um, out of it that we did 12 months ago. So it does slightly change every time we brew it. It is the most challenging beer to brew because there's nothing to hide behind. It's also my first, my favorite beer to drink uh, on a hot day minus our West Coast. Our West Coast, honestly, I shit you not, not because we make it, if I, it is my favorite beer on planet Earth. And anyone who tells me Australia doesn't make West Coast 
equal oh, to hang the on, US. I can feel this winding up. I can feel you coming in off the long run up. Well, there's a bunch of. Anyway, never mind. We'll get to that. All we the will Facebook page. <laughs> we'll definitely get to that. I've almost done a traditional Warren Wu, even though Warren's not with us tonight. I've almost drunk all of the pale before we actually start to talk about it. I'm sure some in the audience have. We need to talk. We need to talk about pale, and then we need to talk about the hazy. Hopefully, while there's a bit of a memory of the pale in people's mouths, just so we can have a little bit of comparison there. So, tell us what we're experiencing here with the pale. Ah, we, we we adjusted the recipe on this one. So so this this is not the original pale that came out. Our original pale, um, when I came to Australia originally, I found um, how, how how do I put this politically correctly? Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm surprised. How many times do you ask yourself that question? I'm surprised. <laughs> no, because I genuinely care about the industry, right? And I think I think Australian craft beer in the last ten year nine years. Nine, nine years has dramatically moved up the scale. When I came here, it frustrated me that there was inconsistency in quality. Um, whether it was because people didn't care or whether people assumed that this was what craft beer was about or whether people didn't have the equipment or the knowledge. I think I'm not, <laughs> I'm not tooting hawkers uh, horn at all, but I think the, the, a pivotal point in craft beer there was there was the first wave of craft brewers, Matilda Bay, Little Creatures, those went away, and craft beer kind of hibernated for a little while, and then there was a lot of little breweries popping up here and there, and then there was Hawkers and Pirate Life that came on the stage a week apart, and that kind of came with the idea of setting up a professionally run brewery that was quality focused anal about quality and so we had a lab before anyone else had a lab and and we were very consistent with the quality of the product uh, and and this has resonated with the market i think because we didn't have a marketing budget i couldn't hire strippers and 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 <laughs> and have wild parties for my uh, retailers we we didn't put any marketing out you're looking at the idiot who did social media for a couple of years, oh, and it wasn't God, very pretty. I thought pretty. you were going to say that you were looking at the idiot who did the stripping, but that would have, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I tried. People, people were off-put. They were like, put that shit away, otherwise we're not buying the beer anymore. So, we, I, you know, for the first two years, we didn't have a budget to have a website. You logged on to hawkers.beer, and it had a GoDaddy page. Two years later, people made so much fun of us, we put up a single page that said something brewing. And then COVID happened, and we had put up a Squarespace page, which I personally had to fucking figure out how to make. Uh, and then it's, we started selling shit online, and then it blew up. So, how did we get here? Oh, the pale. We were talking about, and tell us, and tell us how that recipe has changed. So, the pale, so the, pale, the pale was our first beer in Australia back then. The, one of the, one, there were a few pails that were very crystal malt forward, caramel forward. So traditional American pails in the Sierra Nevada school of thought. And, and um, that, that was what I was drinking in Beirut. Um, so that was our first pail. It had, a, it had a lot of crystal malt in it and it had caramel in it. And, um, and I, I started getting more into West Coast IPAs. I, I've always been into West Coast IPAs, but West Coast IPAs started being stripped of that caramel malt. And, and moving further and further away from East Coast IPAs. Um, and I wanted to translate that into pale. And so um, during lockdown, when we moved our pale ale into can, we used that as an opportunity to launch a new pale that was stripped out of its caramel malt um, and, and more f heavily focused on, on the hops. Um, we did the accident of putting it into a striped can. <laughs> And that fell off a fucking cliff because everyone then, oh my God, it's a new pail. You killed my baby. Ah, and it's in a striped can. So we got screwed on that one. Then we moved it to this can. We literally just took the stripes off, everyone. Yeah, so for anyone here who's a design freak, yeah, the beer's really changed dramatically in the last two years. So now we're the cool kids again. People love the design. Uh, great. Um, but this year we did a little tweak to this pale ale. We added Idaho 7, which just really well rounded out the beer. 
And we moved from silver meddling at AIBAs to gold meddling. So we finally nailed this one. And I fucking love this beer. It, it drinks really well. It's a great session beer. It's very tropical on the nose. It's heavy on the dry hop. Re remarkably heavy, but doesn't drink very heavy. It's got a nice bittering backbone. I just love this beer. And the question was, what farm are we getting the Idaho 7s from? We get from? the Idaho 7s from many farms because um, we, we, it doesn't matter what farm because the harvesting season changes every year. So um, in terms of terroir, um, this, this is changing. This year, we didn't, we didn't actually select our Idaho 7. Um, but next year, if we don't have another massive shutdown and the world goes to shit, we will go and select some more hops. Now, the other beer we're tasting in this little bit of the session is the Hazy. Uh -huh. Obviously, a different style of beer completely, but... I, I am famous for saying I'll never put beer in a can. And? And I'll never fucking make a Hazy. <laughs> and everyone should wear pinstripes. As a, no, that's it. So, tell us, first of all, remind us why you weren't into Hazies, and then remind us why you did bake this one and i can remember from last year this was the beer that i more or less drank all night i think partly to annoy you but just you know just to i love this beer you're not annoying me at all i love this beer um so can i talk about cans first i'm still not convinced that cans are better than bottles just just i don't care if you people want to drink in cans i'm happy to sell you shit in cans i think there's no difference between cans and bottles right each one has its pluses each one has its minuses People who say cans are better than bottles can eat a bag of shit and fuck <laughs> off. They, they, they are better in certain things and they are worse in other things, right? Um, cans are worse for dissolved oxygen because we're filling with an open, a much more exposed surface area. Cans have BP, BPI in, in their uh, liner, in the inner liner, bottles let's, don't. Let's go back a second. Let's explain why each of these things is a problem. So dissolved oxygen, Terrible what's that going to do to your flavors? It'll create um, oxidized flavors and it'll turn your beer brown and taste like shit. Um, it'll age the beer much quicker. So controlling dissolved oxygen in beer is critical. I think you can, there are better, canning lines have evolved dramatically to reduce that problem, but I still think bottling is, is, is way better. On the negative side of bottling, your best bet is to stick it into an amber bottle. Never drink. Cervezas. Oh, <laughs> fuck me. Jesus Christ. I mean, Sterling is have a f uh, Sterling and 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 Scotty are gonna have a field day with what I'm about to say because we've come full circle, haven't we? I got into craft beer because I thought Corona was a piece of shit. Right. And I would rather fucking have a lobotomy and castrate myself with a fucking wooden spoon than drink a Corona. Somehow, somewhere, someone decided that, ah, let's market this to the idiots who fucking revolted against us in the first place. I don't know how it became cool again. It'll never be cool in my book. Anything, if I want to drink beer out of a bottle, it has to be an amber bottle. Nothing clear, nothing green, ever. This is just me. I don't like licking the ass of a skunk. <laughs> Another t-shirt. <laughs> Without the sensation of actually fucking licking the ass of a skunk. This is, this is, this is watching, this is literally watching porn on the radio. Anyway. So, the, the downside of, of putting stuff in bottle is that it can, even brown bottles that block 95% of the rays as compared to Clear bottles that block nothing, um, or green bottles that pl that only block ten percent. Um, brown bottles block ninety five percent. You still can get light struck beer, and and light in beer creates a skunking effect. It transforms the isomerized alpha acids in the beer to, to kind of the same similar compounds that shoot out to the ass of a skunk. That's why we th say beer smells and tastes like piss when it warms up. That's why the big breweries want to sell you ice cold beer and they want you to drink it out of a bottle because you're basically blocking your nose and dumbing down your palate. Your palate below six degrees cannot taste beer. Cannot, begins to lose its ability to identify um, flavors. Um, that's why we drink out of a glass. Anyway, so back, that, that was the downside of bottles. BPI, um, we don't have any scientific knowledge of the health impacts of BPI. But having a liner in there 
for me, is an unnecessary evil to make cans. I'm not raising an alarm because we don't have any proof of it. There, there is no proof of it. I just think BPI, I don't understand the long-term impact of having BPI in cans. I just don't, don't get it. On the upside of it, you can transport cans anywhere and they're much healthier in festivals and on beaches and camping and all this stuff. Um, on the downside of it, um, that, that, so people talk about the environmental impact. Yes, cans are 100% recyclable, but so is fucking glass. We use less energy to recycle glass, right? Um, than cans, which is metal. We also don't spend a shit ton of, uh, we don't dig a hole and make the world disastrously ugly to pull out the crap that makes the can. It looks great now. You should see the hole where it came from. Um, glass is just there. It's an abundance. We, two thirds of the fucking country is a desert. We got plenty of glass over here. Anyway, for me, can versus bottle is a lifestyle choice. If I'm going to a festival, camping, whatever, I prefer cans. If I'm having dinner, I like, I like bottles. That's just me. But, you know, I'm sure there's heated arguments online everywhere, but cans are so much better than the fucking mini keg. Fuck off. If you, if you, just to digress, given we've gone down this path, this tangent, we keep getting that name out yes. there just to make sure that we get the, the name out there today. Now that we've gone down this tangent, uh, how do you think it'll be received by the market if you put all of these beers back into bottles rather than cans? Do you think couldn't, people- Couldn't sell the shit if I gave it away. Because no. hipster, hipsters have decided cans are the way to the future. That's it. I, and you know what? We have a saying in Lebanon. I don't mean this offensively to all our beer drinkers. I respect everyone's opinion. But we say, if the owner of the donkey is happy where you're tying the donkey, just fucking tie the donkey there. Why are you fighting? <laughs> if people want cans, give the people what they want. It's a democracy. I'm not saying there's a better or worse choice, right? Uh, when I was a trader in the market, the, the saying was never try and catch a falling knife. Why? This is not my fucking crusade. I don't really care about the, cro the bottle cross. And also, the, the bottle makers and uh, the glass makers in Australia, OI, were just a pack of shitheads. <laughs> they were assholes. They deserve getting their fuckwits. They were dickheads when, when, when I first moved here. They, they were so arrogant in treating craft brewers. So fuck them. Happy that, uh, that their market is uh, dwindling. Don't care. Not my cross. Hazies. Hazies. Now, there's a market to discuss. <laughs> ah, fuck. Me. Why did you make one after, you know, years of holding out? Well, I mean, because I thought for, for a long time, my belief was our understanding of what a hazy is in Australia is wrong. Right? The original hazy was Cooper's. Cooper's fucking every ale was a hazy. Right? So I didn't feel that hazies were anything special. And when hazies moved to IPAs, I kept looking at people like the alchemist in the US that were looking to put in a centrifuge to get haze out of their beer because haze was a, a, a byproduct that was undesirable in beer. And yet in the early days, people were jumping on the trend, trying to stick flour and mango pulp into their beer to make it hazy because somehow the aim was to have this thing that was Instagrammable. And for me, hazies was all about hops and understanding hops and, and working with hops. And, you know, if you're, if you're a chef, it's very difficult to be a very credible chef if you have no link to the farm where the food is coming from, yeah? If, if you're a meat smokehouse and you don't understand what cut of beef you're getting it's very difficult to to be credible you can be the best chef on earth just you're the, yeah the end product is not 100 percent there and that's why i i strayed away from hazies and this is this is a dig actually at top products australia oj if you're listening i keep telling you this fucking allow us to select our hops and stop with this fucking everything's the same we, we're consistent you're not um because Galaxy from Tasmania is very different to Galaxy from Victoria. And so this is why in the absence of, of being able to select our hops, we diverted away from hazies. 
I got into Hazy's um, just after COVID when we went to CBC and I went to see some of my... I'm an old hand at this brewing thing. I've been around for 20 years and I know all the OJ guys who, you know, just, just by the fact that I was the original brewer in the Middle East. And so I went to see a lot of these guys and the, and the way they talked about hops, especially Nate from, from Treehouse and, and uh, Sean from Hill Farmstead. I'm not names dropping, but these, these people talked so much about the passion behind selecting hops and what they were trying to do with hops and what they were using hops for. Um, it kind of inspired me to start making our own hazies. And, and the aim of our hazies is not to be hazy, but rather it is a journey down down hops and the hazy pale i mean we call it a hazy pale it, you know pacific ale was a hazy pale cooper's pale was a hazy pale fucking any unfiltered pale is a hazy pale is it as simple as not filtering that makes this beer different to the pale or no i think new what, what's the difference for people who are new to the market i think there is an enhanced mouthfeel from the use of oats and wheat in it so it's it's heavier on the proteins um it's a lot of late hopping, so it's it's not as bitter. And and our early hazies at Hawkers were never meant to be juicy. That's not really something that we aimed for. We want we always wanted to make balanced beers. I didn't want to make a beer that you tried, ticked off the box, and moved on to the next beer. So we were never a trendy beer. Uh, never a trendy brewery. Apparently, we're now a trendy brewery. Last year, we were the most improved brewery according to Carwin's and um, Step Brewers podcast i don't know where the vote came from nothing changed at hawkers we've been making the same fucking beers all the time and i think it's just a realization after you try 300 different cans of hazy you almost kind of get tired of doing the rounds and you come back to your fridge fillers right and it's not a dig at hazy's um we still experiment we still have one of the biggest limited release programs i think last year we did 50 odd different beers between our vintage and between our limiteds. How many, how many were stouts? Um, our vintage releases last year were 20, 20 stouts. We will get the stouts, don't worry, my friends. <laughs> yeah, so, so, but a lot of, a lot of the, I mean, our, just, to, just, to, just to quantify what we're doing with our hazies, you all saw the experimental series last year, right? And um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it is our foray into terroir. I hate it when people come up to me and say, I love mosaic. You don't love mosaic. This is like someone who comes up to me and says, I love whatever brand orange juice is out there. We love a specific flavor. And that flavor may or may not have come from mosaic. Maybe it can come from multiple different and can be replicated in different things. And mosaic year to year, farm to farm is very different. So we, we really got nerdy on our hops last year. We've spoken about the difference in hops and we've spoken about the difference in the grains that uh, contribute to the pale and the hazy pale. Is there a difference in the yeast? Is probably the one bit that we didn't touch on. Yes. So we use a clean American ale yeast in our pale and we use a more um, New England type uh, yeast in our hazy pale. Um, again, it 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 just accentuates that fruity character out of the hazy. For me, the hazy pale is an everyday smasher. It still has a a tiny bit of bitterness in the back. I didn't want it to just be a juicy banger because if I want juice, I'll fucking buy an orange juice, right? I I still want to drink a beer when I'm having a hazy pale, especially for an everyday core range beer. So it combines all of these things, but it's it's the Hawker's Hazy Pale, I guess. And again, it wins a lot of medals. It sells a lot of beer. It's on tap in a lot of places. It fucking works. It's an absolute bad. There's a reason. It wasn't just because I like to annoy you that we that I drank so much of it last yeah. year. It's an absolutely delicious beer. It's a fucking refreshing beer you can have every day. You know, you don't. Beer is is great to nerd out on, but also sometimes you just want a fucking beer. It's okay. It's okay to have a fucking beer. I reckon that's an excellent place to wrap up our conversation on these two beers. Are there any audience questions about these two beers? 
or shall we press pause, give everyone a little chance to stretch their legs and we'll come back in about 15 minutes to talk about the Stout and the West Coast IPA. We have I a question. I can see a flipper waved in the air. Uh, it's, a, it's a great question, which is about the re-release of the OG Pale. Uh, why did you decide to do that? And what's the response to it, mate? Because I'm a maskist. <laughs> I fucking love being flogged. And every year, I like being proven wrong. So we've released also the OG Saison back. Because people Ooh. still rant about how good the saison was. I'm never brewing a fucking saison ever again. <laughs> At least not for public consumption. I'm brewing saisons for me on a personal <laughs> level. I love saisons. I and him. I love saisons. Tony, Tony used to be our CFO, just so everyone knows. And he had to deal with the OG pale. I love saisons and I love our OG pale. And I, I, you know, not that I love, it's not to compare with our new pale. I love both pails and I love lagers and I brew all this stuff all the time. And everyone gets excited. Oh my God, the OG pale is back. They'll buy a can, take it off the box and move on to the next thing. Fucking tried it two years in a row. Uh, so, but, uh, so the, the, and, and spoiler number two for this, evening mm. another oj beer is coming back for our birthday in february but i'm not going to release which one yet oh we can we can we can debate that during the little break that we're going to have here live out at hawkers uh i love the saison story because apart from the else i am literally in the process of getting rid of my 13 year old computer today and so i was retrieving all of the old photos there's relatively few beer photos in there but one of them is of the original Saison uh, with the, in the bottle with the green sort of label. Every was, time we release those beers, we can never sell them. It's crazy. It's the old joke about Saison stays on the shelf. So yeah. on that happy note, let's press pause and everyone can get themselves ready for the Stout and the West Coast IPA.